Those of you who have little kids, uh, like I do, uh, you're probably used to them saying, why, to everything. Every, everything that they can think of, um, they follow it up with why, or everything you say to them. Every time you, you tell them anything at all, it's why, why, why. Well, and then you give them the reason, why, why that reason. Or, or it's what, you know, they want to know what about everything. And it's not just the little kids that that's true of. Uh, as the kids get older, um, they still do it in different ways. And, and then it becomes more curiosity. Uh, I, I have the privilege of having a very curious daughter uh, who always wants to know about everything and, and wants to be included in it all. And that's not a bad thing. It's not. Um, what that, that is at the very beginning level with the, the two-year-old or the three-year-old always saying, why, 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 um, and all the way up through, it's, it's really a desire to find out the purpose behind things. You know, They want to know the purpose for why things are the way they are. They want to know uh, why things work the way they do and what makes them work that way. They want to know why things are done a certain way and why can't we do it this way? Are there other options? So it's, it's an investigative thing. It's trying to figure out the purpose behind what we do and how we do it. You know, the purpose behind life. It's not a bad thing. And that's something really that is universal for, for all of us. It's something that's true for everyone. Everyone... All of us needs purpose. We all need purpose in our lives. Would you agree with that? You guys think that's true? Um, I I certainly do. I mean, I I know that's true in my own life. I see that around our world, that we all need purpose. Humanity needs that. Humanity is hungry for purpose. Everyone wants to feel like they have purpose in their lives. It's true of you. It's true of me. It's true of everyone. Everyone wants to feel like they have value, like they matter. You know, that, that, uh, that they, their life is not meaningless for them. And whether they admit it or not, even to themselves, everyone wants to know that there's, there's purpose all throughout life. That everything they experience has purpose. That everything is not just random chance or coincidences. Everybody's looking for the answer to life. Why am I here? What am I here for? What's the point of it all? Everyone wants purpose and looks for it and asks, is there purpose in anything? My friends, there is an answer to that need, to that search. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus Christ. Just like all the other specific gifts we've talked about throughout this series so far, the specific gifts that are part of the overall gift of Christmas, Jesus is the source of true and lasting purpose. You need to believe that this morning. You need to understand that today, that Jesus is the source, the source of true and lasting purpose throughout all of life for everyone. He's it. He's it. I want you to look at Galatians 4, 4 through 5. It's on your handout that you should have received in your bulletin today. Galatians 4, 
4 through 5 says this. But when the set time, that shows a planning, that's, that's planned intentionality, that's on purpose. It's not just random, it's not just chance, it's deliberate. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, that was his primary purpose in coming, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. We're going we're gonna to unpack the, the second part of that passage, verse 5, in more detail next week. Um, but this, this whole passage, it communicates something that is constantly true. Something that we can all be very thankful that is constantly true. Something we need to be constantly true in our lives. And that is this. That God is always, God is always a God of perfect purpose. God is always a God of perfect purpose. I hope you're thankful for that this morning. Are you? Are you thankful for that this morning? That truth? I am, I am, I hope you believe that truth today, that God is a God, always a God, of perfect purpose. We all can have purpose in our lives. You know, we can all pursue a a purpose of some sort, but but it's not going to be perfect. And it's certainly not going to be perfect all the time. With God, his his purpose is always, always, always perfect. That's really good news for us. It means we can always count on him. He's always reliable. We can always trust his purpose as being exactly what we need all the time. I'm thankful for that. I hope you are too. So this passage, Galatians 4, 4 through 5, uh, it communicates that and, and it, it, it tells us that and it shouts that out. And Christmas, Christmas is the perfect time to remember that truth, or, or perhaps to discover it for the first time. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to hear this truth today, and it's the first time you, you're really going to embrace it. It's the first time it's really going to connect with you. It's the first time it's really going to sink in. Oh, I pray that's so. If there's a need in anyone here, just like Jerry said in his prayer, I pray that today, I hope that today will be the day that you finally connect with this truth. That God is always a God of perfect purpose and that his purpose is for you. And that his purpose is central around Jesus Christ and that's why he sent him. I hope you get that today. For those of you who have already known that and embraced that truth, praise God, great. Then I hope today you rediscover it and, and it's fresh for you and you see it in new ways. This morning, Christmas is the perfect time to do either one. Because if we will go just a little bit deeper, if we will go a little bit deeper beyond the obvious, you know, beyond the tree and the lights and the presents and even the the Christmas songs, as great as they are, if we will go beyond just the external surface aspects of the holiday, then we will see that Christmas is a beautiful, powerful picture of that truth, that God is always a God 
of perfect purpose. Look at verse 4 again, Galatians 4, the first part of verse 4. But when the set time had fully come. Another way of saying that is at just the right time. At just the right time. My friends, God's timing is always going to be just the right time. Always. And we can depend on that. And we can find encouragement through that and hope through that. I need that in my life in so many ways. You know, my time is very, very often not the right time. I know you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we, we have these agendas, right? We have these plans. We have these schedules, especially around times like this, like holidays or vacations. You want everything to be, you know, right in line with how you think it should go. And, and how often is that the case, that it happens that way? Not very often, right? It's the source of stress and pressure and intermarital conflict, <laughs> Because we have our idea of the right timing, and and we have things that that are built around that timing, and when it doesn't happen that way, oh boy, you know, God's timing is always the right timing, always. And it's the same with the birth of Christ, with the incarnation, with him coming into our world, our experience, our humanity. It was at just the right time. Well, what, what made it that the right time? What made when Christ came the perfect time? What made it the right time? What made it so ideal? That's the question that we can ask. And, and, and one of the answers is that we, ha- we, we can look a little bit in history and look back a little bit and, and hey, don't fall asleep on me. Don't check out. I'm going to cover a little bit of history, but I promise it's good, okay? It's beneficial. It's great. You're, you're going to want to hang on for this. When Christ came into the world, in the calendar, like in history, it was a period of time known as the Pax Romana. Pax Romana. That's that's known as the Peace of Rome. And, And what was going on in this time in our world and in our history was the Roman Empire had absolute control over literally the entire world. They had had a lot of enemies, a lot of resistance, a lot of rebellion. But at this point on the calendar, there was no more of that. They successfully had vanquished their foes. They were ruling over everyone with peace, with order, with control. There was truly peace throughout the empire. There was the peace of Rome. Rome's full technology, Rome's full industrialness, All of their ingenuity, everything was on full display. Their road systems were unparalleled. You had actual highways going everywhere. Never before was the whole world connected like it was at this point in history. You had the chance to communicate with people all over the world through the written word. That never had happened before. Communication was up at the highest point. You had technology, you had intellectual pursuit, you had everything exactly where it needed to be, how it needed to be. And never before in history had the Jewish world and the Gentile world, the Jewish and the, and the Gentiles, never before had they been so completely, perfectly intertwined. It had never happened before. Now they were completely dispersed among one one another. So never before was the world and, and, and never before was time so primed to receive the good news of the gospel. 
It was the perfect time. Because you had all these people together. You had all these systems in place where new ideas could be shared and latched onto quickly and easily. You had everybody under one roof, so to speak. So never before was there a better time for the gospel of Jesus to be presented, to be carried out. That's a big part of what made it the right time. It's the perfect time in history. We see this echoed throughout the Christmas narrative and the Christmas story that we know so well. Think of God choosing Mary and Joseph to be the human parents of Jesus. It wasn't just on accident. It wasn't just because no one else was willing. No one else was available. No, this was a direct fulfillment of God's promise that the Messiah, that his Messiah, would be a descendant of David and the rightful heir to his throne. We, we find that as a prophecy in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where, where God tells David, your descendant will always reign. You will have a descendant on your throne forever. And there will be one that comes who will know no end to his kingdom. That's Jesus. He was promised to be that fulfillment. And in Matthew 1 and in Luke 1, we see that that's exactly what happened. Jesus Christ, through Joseph, through Mary, he was the direct fulfillment of all that had been promised. All that had been prophesied. It was purposeful. It was deliberate. It was intentional. So as you read Matthew 1 or Luke 1 and Luke 2... I'm sure that's your tradition, just like it's mine, around, around the Christmas morning time or Christmas Eve. Think about that. Think about that, that this was very deliberate. This was all on purpose, with purpose. Think about Augustus and his census. You know, in all the world to be taxed. We know that very well. You know, he's thinking, you know, I have a good idea. I want to I get some taxation going here. I'm going to have all the world be taxed. I'm going to have record of everyone. This sounds like a good idea to me. And all of his counselors said, yeah, good idea. Let's do this. Let's carry this out. But it wasn't just him doing this. God was using that. God was leading him to do this all to accomplish his purpose of, of having Mary and Joseph, Mary who was with child, with the Messiah, to go back to Bethlehem, which was the city of David, which was promised to be the location of the birth of the Messiah. Hundreds of years earlier, in Micah, chapter 5. You just read that, didn't you, Tim? I mean, you read that just a few minutes ago. That's the prophecy. It was deliberate. It was on purpose. That Bethlehem, out of all the cities... Bethlehem, this tiny little shepherd's town, insignificant compared to so many other places that you'd think the other places would be so much better for someone like the Messiah to be born in. But no, God said, I am choosing Bethlehem. I have a purpose for Bethlehem. It's the city of David. That's where the Messiah is going to come. The Messiah who is a descendant of David, just like I promised him it would be. That's where the Messiah is going to be born. And he used Augustus in this worldwide registration to accomplish it. To have Mary and Joseph and Jesus come to Bethlehem where he would be born. Micah 5.2, fulfillment. On purpose, with purpose. 
And then we see the shepherds and the wise men, both parties, playing a big part in in carrying out God's purpose and showing his purpose and communicating his purpose. Uh, The shepherds and the wise men were early witnesses and worshipers to the young Messiah. Obviously, Obviously, the shepherds were at his birth. The wise men were later. So those nativities where you see both together, that's not exactly accurate. That's not exactly how it happened. Shepherds showed up at his birth. Wise men at least two years later. But both were early witnesses to this this young Messiah. They were early worshipers. And, And both of these parties communicate what Simeon told Mary and Joseph. We just talked about Simeon last week. He said, this child will be a light to both the people of Israel, the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, and the Gentiles. Jesus would would unite both peoples into himself. He did that. And we see that on display early on, right at the beginning here of the Christmas narrative, where you see the shepherds. Jewish shepherds, the lowly, the common, even the outcast of society around them. And yet they were invited. They were the first people to receive the announcement of God's great Messiah, his final and full promise being fulfilled. They were the first. That was God saying, I'm not just interested in the high and the lofty. I'm not just interested in the the really intellectual. I'm not just interested... In those that can bring wealth, I'm interested in everyone. I have a plan and a purpose for everyone. I have a part for everyone to play in my story. I'm going to use you shepherds as the the first witnesses of my son's birth and the first witnesses about him to other people. The Jewish nation represented, the common Person represented. And then later we see the wise men coming from, from the east. Noble, wise, intellectually superior, wealthy. And they come and they see the Christ. And they recognize who he is and what he is. And they worship as well, which shows even, even the wealthy and the learned. And the prominent, they too have a place in God's purpose. They too have a place in his story. It's not just the poor and the common. It's not just the wealthy. It's both together, united in Christ. Only Jesus can do that, church. Only the gospel brings people together that normally would be totally alienated. We need to remember that and believe that this morning. It's not just Republicans who know the gospel and who receive it. It's the liberal Democrats who can too. It's not just you know, the, the wealthy and, and those that have it all together. It's the poor and the broken and the defeated. It's not just the one who's known Christ their entire life, who's never even picked up so much as a cigarette. It's also the addict who struggles every day with denying their addiction. All can come and find freedom and fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And all are welcome. And all have a part to play in God's overall purpose. We see that fleshed out in this early Christmas story, in this narrative. And all that's good and well, right? All that sounds great, all that's true. But my friends, none of this is just 
general and conceptual only. This isn't just theory. The specific purposes of Christmas and God's overall grand purpose, it's also personal and practical. It's personal and practical. It's God saying no matter who you are, no matter what you know, no matter what you've come from, no matter what your experience is, no matter what your station in life, no matter what your socioeconomic status, no matter what your preference and tradition, no matter what, you have a divine purpose. That's what God says through the Christmas story. The gift of purpose that we're talking about today The gift of purpose as part of the overall gift of Christmas that that Christ brings in the gift of himself, just like the other gifts we've talked about so far in this series, it's meant for you. It's meant for you. And it's meant for me. It's personal. I want you to, to, to think about Psalm 139, verse 16. Psalm 139, 16. You see these two verses on your handout listed in front of a present because what I want you to know is that God's purpose is a present. It's a gift for you. It's wrapped up for you to receive, to embrace, to know, to claim. It's yours, the gift of purpose. Psalm 139, 16 says this. Your eyes, David talking to God, your eyes, saw me when I was formless. All my days, all my days, were written in your book and planned. Isn't that good? Isn't that good news? All your days were written in your book, handwritten by God. God is writing his story, and it's your story, and it's my story. All my days were written in your book and planned. Another way of saying that is is planned out, mapped out. All of your days, my friend, and all of my days, every aspect of our lives, every, every specific part, every big general part, all of it, everything that makes you you and your experiences that will be part of you. And, and likewise for me, it was all written and established, ordered. By a good, perfect God who is always a God of perfect purpose. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Only God can do that. That should amaze you. It should blow your mind. And if there's ever a question, as there is, shouldn't be, There's no question at all, but there is a question in our society, in our culture, in all the science textbooks. When does life really begin? What really makes a person a person? What makes someone a living human being? What stage does it happen? Well, the Bible pretty much clears it all up, doesn't it? (laughs) Even in this formless state, there is life. And there is purpose for that life. And there is a plan written out and established. Truly, yes, life begins at conception. No question about it. 
And it's not just that it begins, it's ordered and purposed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jeremiah 29 11. One of my favorite verses, one of my life verses, probably many of yours as well. God says this. This is so incredible, so beautiful. This is God's promise to us. This is his declaration. Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans, not the coincidences and the randomness, the chance. No, the plans, the deliberateness, the intentionality. I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Jeremiah wants you to know this is not just me coming up with this. This is not just my opinion. This is not just my my, uh, perspective here. This is the Lord's declaration. I know the plans I have for you. What are they? He tells us. Plans... For your welfare. Plans for your welfare. Not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. That's the promise of God to you today, church. You should be excited about that. Hello? Wow. Wow. Man, goodness, I know it's rainy and dreary, but come on, this is, this is sunshine right here. This is enough to get us up in the morning. This is, this is what gets us through the days. That I'm not just out there floating on my own. That I'm not just a victim to chance. I'm not just left up to whatever happens. No, God Almighty has a purpose for me. It's planned out. It's plans of welfare, not disaster. A future and a hope. We need that. We need that more than ever in the world around us that, that is completely opposite of that. My goodness. You look at the day and the time in which we're living. Everything's up in the air. Everything's a mess. There's very little, very precious few things that we can point to and look at in the world and in life and say, Oh, that's, that's sure. That's reliable. That's guaranteed. That's not going anywhere. Very little. That's why it makes it so good to know that despite whatever happens around me, whatever happens to me, there is a God who sits enthroned in heaven, whose plan from the beginning and before the beginning is still intact and is for my good. Rejoice in that today and every day. See, that's the message of Christmas the gift of purpose. It's part of the overall gift of Christmas. Christmas, my friend, my brother, my sister, Christmas is God shouting to you, you matter. You have value. (laughs) You are loved more than you can possibly imagine. I sent my own son to earth for you to redeem you. To bring you back to myself. It's God saying, you're not an accident. Your life and story aren't meaningless. I wrote your story. It's, it's beautiful and it's full of purpose and goodness and glory. That's, that's what Christmas is, is saying to us. 
the message of Christmas. It's God saying, stop reading the world's version of your story. It doesn't come close to the real version I wrote for you. It's God saying, stop reading your past's version of your story because it's leaving out the most important parts. And the great miraculous resolution that I made to all the messed up parts that you messed up. Stop reading your past's version of your story. It's God saying, stop reading the enemy's story, the ver- his version of your story. Why? Because he's a liar. The enemy is a liar. Stop reading his version of your story. It's God saying, Christmas is God saying, look at the story I wrote for you. Read my story and how you fit into it. And think about the unique part you have in it that I have given you to play. That's the gift of purpose. It's the gift of Christmas. And like the other gifts that we've talked about, same way, this gift is meant for you to personally own, to receive, to embrace, to rely on, to rest in. But it's not meant for you to hold on to just for yourself. Just like the other gifts we've talked about. The whole point of the gift of Christmas is for you to re-gift it to other people. Once you've received it, once you've opened it, once you've claimed it, once it defines you, then you go and you re-gift it to everyone around you. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says this. It's familiar, I know, but... We need to remember it. We need to recall it. Matthew 28, 19, Christ's words himself. He said this, Go, therefore, that's to all of us, not just to the original disciples, but to all of us who are disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Christianity is multiplication. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you who are my disciples, you who have come to me and received me and embraced all that I am, now you take what you have and you go and you give it to others. Regift it. Regift it. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, one of my favorite passages in all of Corinthians, also one of the most convicting, one of the most challenging. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says this, Everything is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, praise God. And, listen to this, not only did he reconcile us to himself, that would have been enough, but but watch this, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Woo! Here is God, the reconciler, entrusting the ministry of reconciliation to you and me, to those he reconciled. Wow. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's grace, church. Be thankful for it not counting their trespasses against them. And he, here it is again, he has committed the message, the good news, the gospel, of reconciliation to us. Verse 20, here's the result of that, the natural result. Verse 20, Therefore, 
We are ambassadors for Christ. It's you and that's me. If you name the name of Christ as your Savior, you're not just a follower of Christ. You're not just a disciple of Christ. You are an ambassador of Christ. Certain, certain, convinced that God is appealing through us. We plead, we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. That's what we're called to do, church. We're called to believe and to receive the message of the gospel, and then we're called to re-gift it. We're called to be the ambassadors through which God himself pleads to those who have not yet received the gift. Come, be reconciled, please. It's here, it's for you. I am here, I am for you. We're called to tell people, just like we heard from God to us, from his spirit, we're called to tell people, you are not an accident. We're called to go and tell other people that. Friends, they need to hear that. The world needs to hear that because the world tells the people in the world, you are an accident. You don't have purpose. You don't have value. There's nothing really special about you. There's nothing significant. We're all just floating on this little ship and and what happens, happens, and when it's over, it's over. Our world is a nihilistic place. God says different. God writes a different story and we're called to communicate it. We're called to tell people, no, you're not an accident. You're not meaningless. You have value. You have purpose. There is a God who loves you and has a specific plan for your life. There is a Savior that loved you enough to leave heaven for you and give his life to free you and give you life. We're We're called to tell people, Receive him. Receive him. I'm pleading on his behalf. Receive him. Receive his purpose for your life. Receive the gift of Christmas. That's what's before us, church. Let's own it. Let's carry it out. Let's re-gift what we have been so miraculously, graciously given. Let's embrace the gift of Christmas And then let's go and share it with others. Would you pray with me, please? Like with the other things we've covered in this series so far, I would be doing you a horrible disservice, a true tragedy, if I did not give you right now a chance to respond. Because it is entirely likely that there is someone or multiple people here in this room today that have not yet personally received the gift of purpose that is available to you. It's only found in Jesus Christ. Like I said at the beginning, he is the source of true and lasting purpose. Just like he's the source of light and the source of hope that we've talked about. It's only found in him. Not anywhere else. There's no point in looking for your purpose in people and places and things. It's found in Jesus alone. And maybe, just maybe, you've not actually embraced that. You've not embraced him today. 
But you know what? The good news is you're here, not by accident. God has led you right here at this moment to this place to hear this message. It's for you. So I just wonder, is there anyone who would say, yep, that's me. You nailed it. You just described me completely. If so, if that's you, please respond. Not to me. Respond to the Spirit of God that is drawing you. Today, right now, this moment can be the moment of your salvation where you know his purpose for your life. It's where you say, you know what? I know I'm in need of Jesus. God, I know I need your son. I know that I am in need of the Savior, and I know he came for me. I believe, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to this earth for me. I want to give him my life. I want to surrender all that I am to him. I want to receive him as the Savior and Lord of my life. I want to know your purpose. Please save me in Jesus' name. If you believe that, you mean that with all of your heart, with all your being, the Bible promises that God hears that and he receives that. And he makes you new like that. I wonder, is there anybody that I could pray for in this way? That I could pray that, that God's Spirit will just completely draw you and convince you of that and your need for it and that, that he will empower you to surrender your life to this Savior. Anyone that says that's me, anyone at all, I'd love to pray for you. Anybody, thank you. Appreciate your honesty, appreciate that, amen. Anyone else? I'm available down here at the front in front of these chairs once we close. I would love to talk with you personally. I'd love to talk with you further. Go, go farther in the scriptures, show you how you can be sure of salvation today. Let's pray together. Father, God, you are amazing. There is none like you. No one can do what you do. There is no purpose like your purpose. You are always the God of perfect purpose. There is no one who loves us as much as you love us. There is no one who goes to the lengths that you went to to show us your love. And there is no one that saves but your son. Father, for those of us who have been miraculously, graciously reborn, made new in Jesus, thank you for the gift of your salvation. For those who have raised their hands up today saying, yes, that's me, you described me. I want to know God's purpose. I want to know his light in my life. I want to know hope. I want to have life, true, lasting life. I believe it's found in Jesus alone. I need him. Father, hear the cry of their heart. And by your spirit, draw them to yourself. Draw them to Jesus Christ. Lead them to lay down their lives to him, receiving life from him. I pray this for them in Jesus' name. And I ask for all of us that are truly in Christ that we would really own the fact that we are called to be his ambassadors, that we would take that seriously, that we would re-gift the gift we've been given out into a world who desperately needs it. By your spirit, I pray this. All in Jesus' name. Amen.